0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 24, The Kirk Olson Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Petlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we get started, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck. Just head on over to onlinehockeytraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. My next guest, former Minnesota Wild strength and conditioning coach Kirk Olson and I were connected more than 20 years ago as he was my strength and conditioning coach for the off season when I was a player before he got his big break in the NHL. It's been a while since we've spoken, so I'm looking forward to the conversation here today. Because the winter season just wrapped up and people are starting to plan their summer training schedules, I thought it was perfect timing to have Mr. Olson on the show. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that have questions regarding exactly when to start off ice strength and conditioning training and what exactly does that look like. I'll do my best to tap into all those potential questions and let Kirk give us his thoughts. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Kirk Olson to the show. Kirk. Welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast.
1: Lance, I'll tell you what, I, 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 this is a pleasure. This is an absolute pleasure. You're right, it has been a long time, and uh, I'm excited to uh, catch up a little bit with you and provide any you know, information I can to the, uh, the hockey world out there, especially with uh, you know, players, parents, everybody who uh, you know, are making the decisions for those athletes uh, to get better and, and uh, work on improving their game.
0: So before uh, we get started, I want to how how the heck is life treating you, my friend? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I will tell you what, it couldn't be better. It's it's been great. Uh, I you know five years ago, uh, my time with the Minnesota Wild came to a close, and uh, you know I looked a, a variety of different looked at a variety of different things. I looked at going overseas. I had connections over there to go over and coach, and uh, looked at other places here, even in the NHL and co- collegiately. And on, on my list, that's always what I do when, when you get, you know, kind of smacked upside the head by a two by four, which is kind of what happens when you find out, uh, you're not coming back. And, uh, I, I made a list and I, and I, on that list was to contact one of my dreams, even when I was coaching, uh, in, in the NHL was to be, to, to have a bigger impact, you know, with. With guys like yourself who play in the pros, that's like the top one percenters in the in the world. And so to to uh, you know my 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 question inside my head was always: Am I really making that big of a difference in this world? You know, to those guys I was to your to you I was, but you know to the in the whole grand scheme of things. So part of what I've always wanted to do is I wanted to be able to impact even you know kids down to like the the eight year old level. You know, on up, and so I thought, well, how am I going to do that? And one one solution I knew of was to have my own thing, to create my own sports performance company. And I know it took, takes deep pockets, and I know a lot of people who had done it and and were kind of successful, kind of not. And I thought, well, I want to, I want to, you know,
0: kick, you know, I want to shoot and score here. So, well, let's. Uh, I'm going to cut you off right there because we're going to get to that stuff a little later. Okay, gotcha. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm calling a timeout. I always tell people, you know, you're, you're driving a Maserati right now. I needed you to get on a skateboard. Slower down a little bit.
1: I, I love it.
0: Bottom line, <laughs> okay. things are great.
1: Things are great. Couldn't be happier. Okay,
0: good. But that that's what I like to hear. Ramble on, man. Ramble on. Yes. So question uh, number one, uh, before we get into all that you've accomplished in the performance coach-trainer sector... Mm-hmm. Let's first begin. I do this with all the guests because I, th- I think it's fun to go back in time and just hear everyone's story. But let's first uh, begin by hitting the brakes, yep. put the car in reverse, <laughs> and go back in time. Love Where that. did you grow up? What was your childhood like? What sports did you play and was hockey one of them? Bas- basically tell us what it was like growing up Kirk Olson.
1: Well, again, uh, I'm incredibly blessed, and uh, I grew up uh, with, with a great family. Uh, my dad was big into sports. Uh, he played four when he was growing up from football to basketball, ironically, no hockey, to um, baseball. And then he also ran track because he was fast. So they just let him go to, you know, not have to go to track practice and just go and run track. So he got us into sports when we were really young. Uh, I have a twin brother, so that was great because there was always somebody to really compete hard against always. And so it really kind of drove that competitive fire from the you know the moment we you know came into this world basically. And the, our big sports were football, hockey, again, ironically, because my dad didn't have any experience with hockey, but my, my parents were both real supportive and they wanted to get us in hockey. And, um, and then of course, baseball. So all those sports we're involved in, and we had a blast doing it, you know, from from playing street hockey out in the driveway, you know, and getting the, the tennis ball mud marks all over the garage door to, to you know, taking batting practice up at the high school. I, I was fortunate to grow up very near Anoka Senior High School, so my dad would just take my brother and I up, and one of us would shake balls, where well, the other one took batting practice. And then, of course, uh, I was a quarterback, and my brother was a wide receiver, so that made it pretty easy to work on football. So footballs or uh, sports in general has been a big part of my life, and that's one reason that I continued on in the path that I did in the sports performance realm because I wanted to stay involved and I wanted to keep sports a part of my life because I think it's such a big thing. Uh, it, you, they always talk about when I mean they, it just means it's a common, you know, vernacular in our English language, or maybe it's in all languages that. Sports is a microcosm of life, and it really is. And so, it allows you to really not only learn but teach other people lessons. And it's just a great thing to uh, ground yourself in. So, sports has been that for me, and it's been a big part of my life.
0: Well, it's interesting because you know when people say that to me, there's always one person that comes into my mind. His name name is Greg Gibson. He was the president of the Weizata. YZ- youth hockey association, which I, when my kids were going through it, it was the biggest youth hockey association in North America, but you always have a kickoff meeting with all the coaches. And at the end, he'd always say, just remember everyone, kids that play sports usually stay out of courts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, that's, there's, there's truth to that. There's truth to that. I think you can, you know, there's a lot, probably a lot of stories that will reflect that. You know, you just ask around, and people always have those stories about it. Just kept kept you on this on that straight line, right? And I, I would say I, it worked for me. I mean, I I don't think alcohol touched my lips. You know, it, it took a while. Let's just put it that way. It has now, but it, it took a while. And as that was primarily because my dad said that, hey, if you if you drink, and so did my mom. If you drink, you know, and don't pull. If you drink, you're not you're not going to be playing sports. If you don't pull good grades, you're not going to be playing sports. So, you know, that was all a motivator for both my brother and I to uh, to really stay away from that kind of stuff and to get good.
0: So, I that it is, and uh, I was probably the opposite, but (laughs) (laughs) but we all we all find out at some point in time in our life that uh, you know no one's gonna if you want something, no one's gonna put the work in into it except for you. Um, you know, I, I think it's important that people should understand kind of our connection, uh, before we move forward too much further. So I was, um, I think I was going, it was the summer going into my 10th, 10th year pro 10th or 11th year pro mm-hmm. and all the guys that I had worked out with had retired and I was working out at this gym down the street from me called lifetime fitness the summer before. And uh, I was just on my own, so I was looking to hire a trainer. So that summer previously, I'm just watching all the trainers, and there was this one person that always caught my eye, just Mr. Intensity, and it was you. (laughs) And uh, so that next summer, I ended up uh, getting in touch with you and hiring you for the summer. Uh, Brought along a young kid coming up, Tim Jackman, but... Uh, and we worked with you for as long as we did until you got your big break. So what do you remember about that experience? Uh, and where were you in your career at that point?
1: I I'll tell you what, that was early on. Um, I was, I was literally flying around to different colleges, looking at different strength, strength and conditioning coach positions. And, um, and I was just kind of cutting my teeth. Yeah, you're right. I, I have a bit of an intensity to me and, and I don't shut it off. I'm kind of a obliv- even when I when I was working with especially when I was working with you and Tim, I I'm kind of oblivious to anybody else around us. And I just I just go and I just remember. I mean, obviously, I'm going to throw you some some love here, but I just remember how. And I still talk about this. It's crazy because I still bring that up. But how how great it was for somebody like Tim Jackman to not that he didn't already work hard, but he got to see what it meant to be a pro like you said you're you're already a decade into the league and the ability for me just to say look at how hard he's working was was huge and that's that's that whole thing of you know when you're when you're a veteran player to to really give back and and i always come back to it and it's a a term that i've a phrase that i've thrown around to every young athlete it's like learn to be a pro and the best way to do that is watch veteran players so that's probably the biggest thing that I took away is the intensity with, I mean, you said I had some intensity, but I'll tell you what, you had this intensity too when you worked out and it carried over to, to Tim. And 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 again, it comes back to the messages that I still preach to this day, which is that be a pro, like learn to work your tail off, learn to compete, learn to put in the time and the effort because that's what's going to take you you know, to the top. I mean, a lot of lucky breaks have to happen and, and good things have to happen. You have to make smart decisions all along the way. But the one thing that you are 100% in control of is how hard you work. And that's one of the things that you were able to really, I think, you know, that shone brightly in those workouts. And that, I promise, you get carried over to somebody like Tim Jackman.
0: Yeah, I, I thank you uh, for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I I didn't know at the time that, you know, you were, you know, still early into it because you you seem like you, you – you own the room, uh, but it was a, it was it was fun being able to kind of show him that path, uh, and he certainly uh, absorbed everything because he had a heck of a NHL career as well. So uh, you end up quitting hockey as a, a bantam, and we were talking offline for a little bit, and you said that a year later you regretted yeah. it. Why did you quit, and you know, what was the regret? Well, it's interesting.
1: Uh, My brother and I were both pretty darn good. Um, It's just that we're twins. And, you know, back then, it's not that we were we were a middle class family. We're doing just fine. But it it just seemed like a lot of money to play traveling. My parents never said it. You know, they were they would have probably signed us up in a heartbeat. But uh, we just never really played traveling. And then so Kyle and I were like, "Ah, you know, let's focus on football and baseball in high school. And so we elected to do that. But then I proceeded to watch some players and they were good players in their own right, but ended up making, you know, the junior varsity team or the varsity team as a sophomore, which was a big thing back then. I know now freshmen can make it and things, but that never happened back however many years ago that was. Um, And so at that point in time, I'm going, I should have I should have continued playing. I, I undersold myself, uh, probably. And, and I regretted that. And I and I, st- I guess I still do. I mean, obviously as you get older, you kind of forget about that kind of stuff. And, and now it's fun because again, I, I always look for lessons in everything. And, you know, especially when there's been that much time since it provides me the opportunity when I hear athletes are about to quit or about to, you know, turn in their wings, so to speak, to steal a line from Top Gun, a movie that not everybody knows probably now, <laughs> but if you're our age, we know it. Um, and so it allows me that opportunity to say, hey, this is what happened to me. This is the decision I make, and this is how I feel about it now. So, you know, it allows me to maybe help these kids, maybe not make a decision when kind of they're just doing it out of emotion.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that experience gives us uh, over time. And, you know, I, I would say that you agree, even if you don't understand it at the moment or even a year down the road, uh, every experience, great or challenging, doesn't matter. They shape us into the person we're eventually going to be as an adult. Uh, so it's nice to be able to have those little uh, things in your pocket that you can pull out when a, a player's uh struggling a little bit. Oh, 100%. I could not have said that better. That was
1: perfectly phrased. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly right. 100%.
0: So. Well, at what moment? And I, I'm sorry if I just cut you off there because I do that a lot because I'm not an expert at this. I'm still learning. <laughs> hey, you're, you're actually doing awesome. I'm impressed. As you're as you're, you get into your high school and you're starting to think about college. You know, at what age did you kind of decide that you were going to go into the field that you're currently in? Were you trained by someone or influenced by someone that pushed you into the sports performance coach, coach direction?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because I, 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 was, I had, I think back, I was a sophomore in high school and we, for the first time ever had a strength and conditioning coach that was hired by the school, you know, taught, I believe, FIED and health and a strength and conditioning program. This individual his name is Marcus Sanovich, and he ended up just building an unbelievable high school strength program um, at Anoka Senior High School, and then he moved on with Tony Dungy. Uh, he was doing some part-time help with Minnesota Vikings up here when he wasn't at Anoka, and then he ended up moving down with Tony Dungy to Tampa when Tony Dungy, uh, former defensive coordinator for the Vikings, took the head coaching position down in Tampa and was you know was with him for a number of years, and then he moved on to Jack Del Rio, a former linebacker for the Vikings. When he when Jack got a head coaching job, I think I believe it was with the Carolina team. He uh, he brought Mark there. So now Mark resides in Victoria, Minnesota. Um, uh, does some stuff. Uh, I think he's still teaching over at Minnetonka, just because he at least he he had a love for it. He, it's probably getting old now mm-hmm. after he's done it for so long. In, in addition, to and once you've probably spent some time in the NFL, you know, coming back to high school probably is not not exactly what you want to be doing, but. Needless to say, he was my mentor. And then when I got, when I wrapped up my high school years, I wanted to stay. I, I continued. To, I actually played uh, football for a bit in college, and I wanted to um, look for an occupation that would keep me again involved in sports. And I was thinking physical therapy. And so I was going after that. And then one day I realized, geez, I you know, right about the day Mark went Tony Dungy down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I realized I don't want to have people lift tuna cans which was kind of what you know, you'd always see back then. Now, obviously, physical therapy is a much more advanced, you know, profession. And it was then, too. But I, a lot of this stuff was lifting little soup cans and things like that. It was weird. But I just didn't want to do that. My intensity level, as you mentioned a little bit ago, you know, is just too high. I That would have bored me to tears. So ha- having seen Mark go down with Tony Dungy, I go, hey, that's what I want to do. So I immediately changed my uh, – I didn't really change my my bachelor's degree. I, I continued with kinesiology with an emphasis in exercise science, but what I did do is I went on to grad school and uh, studied exercise physiology. And that
0: How long of a process is that? Is that a year program or uh, two?
1: years? 2 years. Yeah. And it was great cuz I was I know St. Cloud can get a bad rap as a party school and things like that, but uh, the exercise physiology biomechanics program up there at the time um, was a was a very Uh, It was almost like a doctoral program, and the professors that were involved in that, um, Dr. Jim Kelly, Dr. Glenn Street, and Dr. David Bacharach, uh, were renowned in in what they did, and it was, you were, you were, it felt like you were in a doctorate program because you were doing research on yourself. You'd have to do a VO2 max test and, you know, write up the paper on your results and things like that. My papers were 12, 16 pages long. It was crazy. But uh it was great and uh, a buddy of mine, I don't know if you know Sean Goldsworthy, but Sean Goldsworthy coached down at St. Olaf for a long time and now he's at Minnetonka High School as Alma Mater, and of course his dad was uh was uh Goldie, the Goldie Shuffle for the Minnesota North <laughs> So and his dad was captain of the North Stars for a number of years. So
0: it's uh it's pretty cool when that happens, you know, when you uh when you get that clarity on where you want to go and then you just kind of set the objective and what steps do I need to take to get it and then you just start executing the plan. I, I love that word uh,
1: that the word execute you know the, the, back in this you know lately that's what exactly what I did and that's what I tell athletes to do it's you know you don't get up every day and grind I can't stand that like don't grind you don't grind through anything that's such a defeatist word it's like try I will literally reword a whole email just to keep the word try out of it. I'm all about executing. That's what it should be. Get up with the mindset that you want to execute. And you do. You have to have a plan. I had a plan back then. Uh, I'm not saying things didn't go off the rails every once in a while and didn't go as, you know, as desired. But you just make adjustments from there and continue to execute on those new adjustments. And the same thing is that's exactly kind of what I did. Like I said, I had two years st- st- with the WILD. Uh, one with Jacques Lemair and one with Mike Yo, and in between there there was a, another coach. And I I was away for two years. And when when that news was handed to me back, I think it was two thousand nine. I had to I immediately didn't go. Whoa, was me? It was like time to execute. You got to figure out a plan. And then the same thing happened five years ago when my last tenure ended, and I had to move on to something else. So yeah, it's all about executing. I love that.
0: Did you uh, when you were with the Wild? Because uh, in 2003, you got your big break mm-hmm. and uh, playing for the, the hometown, not playing, but, uh, you know, working for the hometown team, getting all the guys optimized. Yep. Uh, did you like that lifestyle, being a performance coach for, the N- for an NHL team? Because it's not your typical nine-to-five job, especially during the season. I mean, you got 41 home games you got to be at. Uh, You got weekend requirements on non-game days. Did you find the schedule challenging? Yeah, it's interesting.
1: I, you know, what it was. It's it's uh, it's really challenging. It's not like NFL where it's hey, we're going to play. You're either playing on a Thursday or typically a Sunday and sometimes a Monday, but that's pretty rare. You know, and so you have all week to kind of prepare. And and with hockey, you are, you know, like you said, being at home is great, but it's still long days. and you know, being on the road is, I mean, obviously has its perks, you know, you go out as a coaching staff together and, and I was a little bit different. I know that some strength coaches and other, on other teams, I uh, did a lot of hanging around with, um, with the, the, the equipment guys and the medical staff, which is great. Um, I just happen to know a lot of the members of the coaching staff usually, um, especially my second tenure and, so i just you know we were always together as a coaching staff so that was fantastic those were fun times and great memories um but yeah it's 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 a it's a lot of time you know especially when you're on the road um and then of course you know those long hours the weekend but you know what it's just like anything you just you just get rolling it's funny how when all star break or olympic break rolled around you're like what do i do now <laughs> it, it was it was actually i hated it cuz it's like oh my gosh, I got 10 days of, what, do nothing? I, you know, I could go on vacation, I suppose. But you're just, you get to that point where you just go, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like, boom. We slammed on the brakes earlier in the program, but like you literally during the year that you'd slam on the brakes then too when you'd get those those uh, those breaks off, like the All-Star break or, or Christmas was never so bad. You know, you had one, what, now it's three days, I think they require off the 23rd to the 26th, but it used to be like, literally, you could just play You know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you could be playing on the well again on the twenty sixth, and you're flying out that morning to Winnipeg or something. But you just that was never a big deal. But it was the, always the Olympic break or the the All Star break that you're going. Oh, what do I do? So I, but I, so you you just get rocking and rolling. I actually didn't mind it at all. What I what I didn't like is the evolution of what pro sports has become. And I know a lot of people are you know all you know, they want to have these numbers, these metrics, if you may. And they're, you know, you're trying to take money, ball, baseball into hockey and other sports. And, and I always tell people, I said, it's so interesting that you get to the playoffs and players are never hurt. I shouldn't say never, but it's the mindset switch, the mindset switches. And you're not even really getting paid in the playoffs. You get paid for the regular season and players are technically not getting paid. They're getting paid and I'm not worried about any player in the NHL, but realistically, they're playing for the Stanley Cup. And all of a sudden, they don't feel anything. They kind of take on that warrior mentality. And I'm like, well, why can't you take that on in game 60 to 70? You know, or 50 to 60. 60 to 70 might have that on because you're in a playoff push. But, um, you know, they, they want to, you know, now it's about tracking sleep and tracking this and tracking that. And that's fine, realistically speaking. But you got to remember, you're dealing with adults. And if they're not getting enough hydration, in we shouldn't have to check them every day. Not to mention players, you know, I could Lance, I could slap, you know, any any kind of monitor on you, you know, an Aura ring, for instance, and it tracks your sleep. And all of a sudden, you wake up and you're feeling great, and you look at you look at your Aura ring score, and you got, let's say, you got eight hours of sleep, and you're going yes, and you look at your Aura ring score, and you got like 23 minutes of deep sleep, and and now all of a sudden you're wrecked because you're going, oh, crap, I didn't get any deep sleep. So now you went from feeling great to, so it's, to feeling kind of crummy because it becomes a mental crutch. People rely too much on that, and the brain and the mind is a powerful thing, and it can really get in the way. So I'm all about, hey, let's just do the right things and go out and play hard. I, you know, if, Gosh, if you have a newborn at home and you don't get a lot of sleep, sorry. Get out and compete. Shorten your shifts that game. You know, so that's kind of, bothers- I, I'm not a big fan of babysitting and, and doing all this stuff. And I like, I like guys to continue to train. Obviously, you're, there's a different training. Um, you're after a different objective in the season, right? And you have different athletes, you know, a guy, you know, like yourself towards the end of your career. Now you got after it in the summertime, but in the season, I would train you way different. You know, I, I would train you, you know, it's not that we're not going to still do stuff, but it's going to be qualitative in nature. It's not going to be, we're not trying to, you know, be a hero in season. We're trying to make sure that we keep you, you know, maintain your strength. So you, number one, you can optimize your performance on the ice, feel fresh too, and, and, but also not get hurt. You know, that's a big a big component of sports performance training is the, the the prevention of the injuries that happen when your body starts to break down. So those are, that's a lot of what I would, you know, what I would prefer to do is to continue to to have guys trained during the season, but in a smart way and not just sit there and monitor their sleep and their hydration and how much they weighed coming off the ice and all that stuff. So not that it doesn't have a little bit of a role, but Hey, we're dealing with adults. They can take care of that themselves.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, there's, it's never a perfect world. So, you know, you might not get as much sleep as you hoped. You might not get the exact meal, uh, you might not get to the rank at the exact time, but you got to figure it out and uh, adapt. And like you said earlier, be a professional. Yeah. Get out there and figure. do your job.
1: Yeah, love it. That's a perfect way to sum that one up. Be a pro.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's uh, – my world, I get in front of a lot of players ranging from six up to some in their uh, late 20s now – uh, on a regular basis, but I want to focus more on the beginning part. Uh, as players progress up the hockey ladder, both boys and girls, there comes a time when these guys and gals are uh, ready to have someone in your profession come into the picture, mm-hmm. uh, the strength and conditioning coach. I guess let's start by you answering the question, why does, he, why does someone even need a strength and conditioning coach uh, You know, early on? Well, it, you know what? It's it's funny because, uh, you know, from
1: ages, I would say I'm I'm bowing down to you right now. You work with six year olds. Wow, um, I not me, not at least not right now. I'll hire somebody to do that. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, my cutoff is I, I usually like to see them when they're about eleven or twelve. Um, and then a lot of that is it's body weight stuff, right? You want to get these young athletes to be able to move their body weight in space. Uh, before they ever pick up a weighted load, and the old adage of "oh, it's going to stunt their growth plates and all this," it's, that's that's not right. That's a wives' tale. Wives' tale. So it's when I first get them, I'll be honest with you, Lance. The the focus for me is again learning to properly move. You know, can they bend over without significantly rounding their back? We call that a hip hinge. Can they do a good lunge? Do they have this strength in the strength in the foundation to be able to do something as simple as just a bodyweight squat? I mean, you look at – I mean, you remember when Rem and Rhett were little. I mean, when those little suckers were like two years old rolling around the house, they could squat like a beast. I mean, you watch a little kid squat. It's crazy how perfect. They walk on their toes kind of. They don't heel strike. It's amazing what little outstanding movers we are when we just are brought into this world. Obviously, we're just laying there for the first year. But then as you start to get up and move around a little bit, you realize just how, how, how we're made to move. But then we have bad habits and sitting in chairs and everything else that messes us up over time. So it's, it's trying to see where these athletes are at and then effectively giving them the right cues and the right, so they can trigger the right movement patterns. And that's going to set them up for success forever. And, and then it comes down to, Hey, I want these kids to continue to run, jump and play. So it's like, we're going to do speed and agility or we're going to make little games out of speed agility. So you're working on tight turns, you're working on stop and start change of direction. So you're really getting these kids moving correctly. But when it really comes into play, Lance is when, when these, when it starts to count, I would say probably you're looking at, again, every parent thinks that every game from, you know, mini mites on up counts and that their kid is preparing for a college career. Uh, it's, you know, it's, Let's give them some time and just let them have fun for up into maybe lit, you know the latter half of their peewee career or bantams once they get to be about 12, 13, 14. Now these kids realize the importance of winning and what it takes to be successful, and now it's, now they're a little bit more dedicated. Now you can start touching some weights uh, and doing some things to really help their bodies evolve, and, and even with the females especially, because they mature a lot quicker than the, than the men any, or the boys anyway. So it's, it's really important for girls, too. Um, because the one thing I like to, to really preach is is speed um, and I do that for both uh, both our, our girls and our boys and to teach that is that's the hardest part of what we do teaching speed and movement teaching athleticism and that's you know anybody can download a workout from whatever app or whatever you know website you follow and you're gonna get strong I mean you, you can take your dad's old High school workout where all they did is you know squat and and bench and deadlift and you know what you're going to get pretty darn strong just because you got hormones screaming through your body and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I even look at that Lance with with nowadays with my pro players. You know the easiest part of my job is to get them strong and get them more powerful. Uh, the the more challenging part is making them more athletic. And so that I really preach and hammer on that, and that's what I think sets sets myself and my team apart from everybody else is that we just that's a big focus of ours and and even whether it's getting them on the ice or doing it off the ice for a hockey player is very important but yeah um players need it just because they need the expertise you can't just keep falling back you know parents you know typically i mean you probably could train rem and ret quite well but are they going to listen to you dad you know maybe not you you spent over a decade in the nhl but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to listen to you i hear that from parents all the time you know they're their dad or mom are incredibly successful and it's like yeah but it's me you know it's it's mom and dad saying it so they don't even listen to me and I'm sure someday when I have kids I'm gonna be the same way I'm gonna tell them what to do to become a better athlete and they're gonna you know kind of throw their nose up and walk away and say what do you know and say well a lot of people pay me a decent amount of money to to tell them what to do (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so I don't know if that answered your question but that's you know I think athletes need it just because they need that other voice besides mom and dad, and they need that expert in the profession who's going to, who reads this stuff and researches this stuff and knows the, the best ways to to get the job done. And it's not just doing what, you know, somebody told me once or, you know, what they did 30 years ago. Not that that might not be effective, but, hey, let's have somebody who can actually get in and, and knows the nitty-gritty and the science behind it all and work with
0: you. You know, it's interesting because I... I never learned this until, uh, maybe eight years ago, but, you know, searching for things and maybe it's just, uh, the upbringing that I was brought that, uh, you know, I never went to a grocery store with my parents without having coupons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you always had coupons and stuff. So I, you know, I didn't look for like the best. And I, I think now the. Sports have, has gotten so specialized. There's, you know, it's it's a great and a, a not so great time because there there's so many things that you know you could do to improve and optimize as an athlete, but uh, you know, th- it's hard to sift through the the average coaches and who's the who, who's the master coach because you want the coach that this is all he's been thinking about for decades, you know, or at least a decade. Because then uh, they they have they have a confidence because they know their stuff, you know you don't you don't do something for ten years and not get really good at it, uh, so I kind of ranted there a little bit. No, you know? Lance,
1: I think you, you nailed it, man. And and I deal with that on and taking no offense from every anybody in this sports performance profession. Kudos to you, but to be quite honest, there, there's just not a lot of very good ones out there. I hate to say that, but there just is. Let me rephrase that. There's a lot of very good ones out there. And then there's a lot who think that they're very good. You, yeah. know, you need to be buyer beware. Like you better vet that person out and have a good conversation with them. You know, don't just say, oh, so-and-so is going to them. So I'm going to send my daughter or son to them. No, that's not the way to do it. You vet that person out. You have a conversation and see where, where their values are at and what they're in it for. You know, my my thing is, is uh, I've... I do this because I want to inspire and I want to influence and I want to impact. And to to inspire, you get people's attention when you inspire them. And then then that allows you the opportunity to actually influence them a bit with how you operate, how you work, how you be a pro through experience and having them watch you and having them listen to you. And then at that point now, once you've influenced them, then you can Im- impact them and really make a difference in their life. So that's what I do, um, and it's, it's worked well for me. And I, I think you can hear it when I talk about it because, to your point, there's confidence in the good ones because they just innate, innately know they're good. And it's not a blowhard. It's a sincere, uh, it's a sin- sincere confidence that they talk with, passion that they bring. And I think that's one thing you have to be real, real in tune to when you when you sit down and you visit with somebody and you vet them out before they can work with your your son or daughter.
0: Yeah, and then for all you listeners out there, you know, one good practice to do is, you know, whatever level your son or daughter is at, go up a level or two and see what the best players, who the best players are working with, what yeah. are they doing, have a conversation because it it's uh, it's amazing how you know, we're in the same area, and there's there's got to be overlap of players you're working with, I'm working with, Scott Bukestead's working with, Barry Karn's working with. I mean, Absolutely. we all seem to get the most passionate kids.
1: Yes, that, you're 100% right. I could name a bunch right now that are working. I know one one person in particular that we always talk, talked about you last sum,
0: summer. So. Um, so I just want to go back. So I, I'm going to – parent who has a kid, I don't have much of a hockey background. You're telling parents that around 11 or 12 is when they should maybe, you know, start investigating, you know, the, uh, someone like you, a sports performance coach, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, those first couple of years, it's, I'm just reviewing here that <laughs> you, you're lo- working on movement and proper posture and proper technique. Uh when when again do you start introducing uh like strength training, you know, is it a is it an age, is it a certain weight? Uh, when does that happen?
1: Well, for for me, you know, sometimes usually, let's let's speak in in a little bit of a specific cut. I I usually say from an age standpoint 13. You know, once they get into their teenage years, but you also got to remember that you know, I'm okay with, with even 12, uh, you know, a lot of times, again, you can add a little bit of resistance. I, am I having, I'm not a big max out person anyway, but I would never have a, you know, a, you know, a 12 year old max out, but usually kind of that 12, 13 is the time that we start, uh, with strength training, obviously for the, for the girls, for sure. Again, I talked earlier about their maturation process a little bit accelerated and, and usually it's it's in front of the boys but you still get some you know you you look at the the guys and you know the interesting thing is that 12 13 14 year age group I mean sometimes you can have a kid who's like six one, one seventy five, 175 and you can have a kid who's 4'11 you know a buck 25 it's a crazy age group but all that means is now we're just we're just manipulating you know what we call intensity or the amount of weight that you're lifting in a given session, you know, so you just, you just watch it. So I would say 12 to 13 is usually a pretty good time uh, for these kids to start um, getting, dipping their toe into strength training.
0: Uh, How, how important, you know, how much time do you spend on flexibility and uh, you know, just optimizing movement. I mean, you got a lot of stretching that you do. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because now, you know, the, probably
1: the more important term, I, you know, flexibility is, you know, there's, there's some need for flexibility, obviously, obviously, but there's the, the term and in, in stuff that I never even, when I went to school, I, well, I never even knew about it really. It's called mobility. And yeah. so big, the biggest thing we look for uh, you know, especially hockey players, my goodness, you're looking for, you know, hip mobility. But along with hip mobility, you have to have stability first throughout the hips. So then you're, you know, that's the, the focus on the strength training and the focus on, you know, being able to control eccentrically, isometrically and concentrically. E-c- eccentrically means like if I were doing a squat and I were lowering lowering myself down into a squatted position, that's an eccentric load. And then, of course, if I were just to pause and hold that deep squat, that's an isometric hold. And then coming up and pushing the floor away from me as I stand erect, that's a concentric movement. So those are you know those are all important things, and that develops that that uh, stability throughout the hip structure. And the same could be said with different movements through the shoulder and, and all of our joints. Uh, and then, of course, you know, loading those joints, with, you know, now weight on your back doing a squat or weight in a front squat position or whatever it might be, maybe it's a goblet squat, whatever, is also going to add more strength, uh, more tensile strength to the connective tissue, your tendons and ligaments through that joint structure. And then, of course, you come to, once you have that stability, now we also, in the same time, we have to be making sure we keep those joints mobile so they don't, you know, aren't just so tight that the first time you go and you drop down into a, sk- a full skating stride, everything, you know, goes to heck in a handbasket, right? And everything blows up and you tear your groin. So it's all about the, the, the fine balance between stability through that hip complex and then, of course, the mobility, which is a, a big one because the, the skating stride is not, it's not one God made for us. We're supposed to walk, you know, our legs are supposed to travel forward and back. You know, we're supposed to walk and run forward and back, not push back to a 45-degree angle. So... It's it's one of those things where flexibility is, is is important, but I would say, you know, right there and maybe even more important is is the stability and, and mobility around the the uh, joint complexes, especially the hips and shoulders.
0: Sounds like a combo platter to me. Yes, <laughs> it
1: very very much is. It's a, definitely a combo platter.
0: A quick word from our sponsor, SnipersEdgeHockey.com. Sniper's Edge Hockey is your one-stop shop for your at-home hockey training needs on and off the ice.
1: Find the perfect start to your at-home training area with slick tiles, synthetic ice, or a rink liner. Or upgrade your home setup with one of our top quality training tools to help you work on soft hands, all of your dekes and dangles, perfect your one-timer, and improve the power and accuracy of your shot. Find it all online and in stock for immediate shipping at snipersedgehockey.com
0: how important is nutrition uh you know I, you you do some research on working out and getting stronger faster skater and that you're going to expending a bunch of calories and uh how much do you talk to athletes about that and also you know when when should a player start uh getting interested in that
1: well you know it's funny cuz i used to talk more about it uh now i don't have to i'm i'm blessed in the sense that that i have I think it's what is it four or five sports dietitians you know two of whom we share with the Minnesota Vikings that are that are on the payroll here who who take care of all the athletes so it's typically just a quick introduction to those individuals um, but nutrition in general is huge i mean you're you're talking you know you hit you're hitting the right spot in adolescent years where these kids especially those who you know not only for the you know many of the boys want to get stronger or want to get want to get bigger, but you know when it comes down to it there's a strength component too and you need the proper what we kind of simplify in term building blocks to to help in in, do, in in generating the energy to have an effective strength workout you know and that's if you're not eating correctly you're not going to have the energy and therefore you're going to kind of go through that workout at you know less than optimal you know, intensity, and therefore you're probably not going to reap the results like you want to. And guess what? You know, when you're trying, you know, most athletes, my assumption is, and every for whatever reason, every time I, I ask a high school athlete, I shouldn't say every time, I'm kind of jumping a the gun there, but most athletes, I mean, a huge percentage of them, I say, who wants to play after high school, their hands shoot up in the air. So with that being at stake, well, you got to be doing everything it takes to make sure that, that you're... You, you're not, you, you have no excuses. You're leaving no stone unturned uh, in in your in your um, climbing of that so-called mountain to get to the top and be that player who gets to play collegiately or in juniors or at the you know the national level or even you know God willing the pro level. So nutrition's big. Nutrition's real big, and it's you know a lot of it's just simple. It's not the old intermittent fasting that that we as adults might want to dabble in. You know that's not it. You we want to make sure these kids have the proper carbohydrate intake and the proper protein intake and even the proper fat intake, uh, cause you know, they need to not only do they need at that age in their adolescent years, um, and even their child years, they, they need to be growing effectively and that's what's happening. And guess what else is going on? Learning. So the brain primarily functions on carbohydrate, uh, for the, you know, I say that and then everybody comes out with, ah, oh, yeah, but when you're in ketosis, it's. Yeah, but a young kid doesn't want to be in ketosis. Let's forget about that until they're, you know, done growing and they're in the working world and then they we want to be as sharp. Then they can, you know, travel into ketosis with intermittent fasting all they want. But as a young, you know, it's still carbohydrates is the main fuel for your muscles, for your brain.
0: And what, you know, you're talking about is for the, the normal kid that doesn't have digestive issues. Correct. Yes. Allergies. Lactose intolerant. I mean, if if someone has uh, challenges like that, I mean, it's pretty important to maybe get in there and meet with uh, you know an expert in in your group or someone like them, huh?
1: You nailed it. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: That's when those the the sports dietitians, and that's not a nutritionist. Nutritionists are not dietitians. You know, you and I can we can read a nutrition book and call ourselves a nutritionist. So make sure when you're vetting out who you're, you know, if if your son or daughter has those issues that you, and usually a doctor, usually you're probably going, what's wrong? Why are they, their stomach upset? And usually you're going to go to your family doctor and they're going to put you in touch with somebody probably. But if they don't, yeah, you need to vet that out. You don't necessarily want to be talking to a nutritionist. You want to be talking to a dietitian. And when your son or daughter is an athlete, a sports dietitian, because they're, they're particularly, obviously they know everything that a, a dietitian knows, but they also know how that integrates with sport and athletics.
0: All right. I Apologize for using nutritionist. It's dietitian, sports dietitian. Oh, I, yep. I didn't even notice
1: you used it, but I just I always clarify <laughs> that because people are like, "Oh, I'm a nutritionist." And I'm going so great. Oh, <laughs> I am too. So good.
0: <laughs> so uh, I remember hearing someone say on a podcast, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago, and, and forgive me, I can't remember who. But over the years, you've created workout program. Uh, you know routines programs i don't know if you've written books or whatever but uh he said that every workout he creates is a biological experiment what does he mean by that
1: wow um interesting I and mean, there's a lot of tried true you know methods out there that i don't think you're necessary i mean everybody i suppose what he's saying is that everybody's an individual and everybody's going to adapt differently. And, uh, you know, to a workout, uh, you know, they're going to, I guess in a way, anytime you're taking a group of athletes, for instance, or even one athlete, I mean, you should have a pretty good idea if you know what you're doing, what's going to happen. I mean, you know, if I'm going to train, you know, if if this would have been, you know, four, you know, let's call it five, six, eight years ago, and I'm taking your youngest Rhett and we're going through a strength work and I'm trying to put some size on him. put, you know, some hypertrophy training. Well, you know what? I kind of have a pretty good idea what I'm going to do. And then a, a pretty good idea of what the outcome is going to be barring that he's eating the right things and having a surplus of calories and getting his rest and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose that you're still breaking it down to an experiment, a biological experiment, but gosh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's one that's, you have a pretty strong hypothesis and you're expecting it to launch into a theory and even into a law at that point. But yeah, that's an interesting thing to say. I, I guess, yeah, I, you're always experimenting a little bit biologically or physiologically or biomechanically every time you're taking an athlete through a workout because you're trying to get an outcome that's going to differ from individual to individual. And even for that athlete from, you know, point you know point in his lifespan, you know, he'll probably have a better chance of gaining mass when he's in a real metabolic or anabolic state when he's the hormones are pumping through his system in in adolescence into you know early 20s and then after that point it gets a heck of a lot harder because you start losing testosterone and everything else but yeah that's an interesting one
0: yeah i uh uh, what what came to me i mean i've I've created a lot of content and uh programs specific for stick skill development but you know i looked at the word that came out to me was experiment that there was so much content that's been created over the years, and so much of it never made it to the to the you know the program or whatever. It it was a failed attempt, but it got me to the next level, and I was able. But you know, I wasn't I was not doing it by myself. Just like you, I mean, you've developed programs and you you put someone through the workout and you go, holy shit, did that suck? Sorry for swearing there, people.
1: <laughs> They've all heard it. They've all heard that kind of those
0: kind of words, but I,
1: you know, what you might be right. I, I would be willing to bet you're right. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're going through a lot of motor learning experiments all the time. I mean, especially with skill development. I mean, that's what's happening. You're, you're creating those motor patterns that need to become as efficient as all get out. So you, you know, you go from, you know, unconscious incompetence, these kids don't know what they're doing and they're doing it wrong. And then you go to, well, now we're going to conscious competence now we have to think about it but now at least we're doing it right then you go to or i'm sorry then you go to conscious incompetence now you 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 have to think about it you're still doing it wrong then you go to conscious competence I'm think about it but now at least i'm doing it right and then you go to unconscious competence where it you you could do it in your sleep and you know whether you're sniping a a snapshot or you're you know you're stick handling all those things are, are motor learning skills so yeah you're you're definitely you'll find drills that work better than others i'm sure uh, from a from a training standpoint, I guess yeah, the, the same could be said. There are probably a lot of failed programs before things wound up in a physiological textbook, an exercise phys textbook. And I'm not saying those are the always the ways to do it, because a lot of things have transpired over the years on just how you effectively, you know, train. Not only for you, you can train for strength, you can train for power. Well, you know, you're dealing with this, uh, a wrestler who has to meet a certain weight class. Well, you got to be careful because you don't want to put any extra bulk on them any extra muscle on them so you got to train them just purely for strength same thing for a figure skater uh so you know there's yeah i'm quite certain that that's what that individual meant is that you're going to try some things that maybe don't work but gosh dang it over the course of time through experiencing learning through those biological experiments you better pretty you better be able to dial down what you're doing and it should be effective a large percentage of the time that's my opinion (laughs) that's at least that's how i operate maybe i'm Maybe I'm uh a bit conceited there in my in my belief of what I'm capable of, but that's how I work.
0: Nope. that's awesome. So uh I'm curious here and because there's you you had mentioned earlier that there you asked a question to a group of players like who wants to play past high school? Mm-hmm. And everyone rose their hand. Uh So I'm interested for you to give our listeners an idea of the time commitment required to work with you. Uh, And I want you to use the top players, college Olympians or NHL as the example. What does their summer look like? And remember folks that anything these players or athletes are doing with with, uh, Kirk, uh, this is in addition to any on on ice training uh, they're doing as well. So Give, give us a, a, a summer program. How many times are they working with you? What's the duration and what's the commitment?
1: Well, it's it's that's a great question. Uh, in the off season, obviously in the summertime, uh, I've been I've been blessed and fortunate, and part of my my favorite part of what I do is actually getting on the ice with the players and doing you know whatever it might be, whether it's it's skill development stuff, not in the level you're doing it, but um, you know it's it's. Pretty good stuff, game situations, things like that. I enjoy that part. And that that's usually probably a good hour and a half practice. And then when we get off the ice, I usually, to be honest with you, I like to do that. I like the on-ice stuff first because that's the skill portion of our game. I, I, that's, that's what they're trying to get better at. I talked about the motor learning processes and, and how you go through that. So I want guys to be fresh when they're doing that. And then when they come to the off-ice component, usually for those guys, for those skates, for whether they're 60 to 90 minutes – those are a nice way to kind of warm up. You know, it's not like I'm bagging them every day. That's not the objective. As we get later into the to the summer, uh, leading into August and early September before guys go to camp, that's the time where I'll progressively ramp up conditioning. Conditioning is the easiest thing for us to, to obtain. Um, but getting them on the ice, working on their skills, keeping those touches going, and then, of course, it's off-ice where – that, that's a large part of what I do, obviously, and that's another that's about two hours so the whole commitment ends up probably being about I don't know if you're talking commuting too it's probably about four five hours a day of dedicated to that and then of course, a lot of guys are doing yoga on their own time um you know different things like that they're they're going to the grocery store and they're doing the eating and eating correctly and all that kind of stuff, but what I do do as I usually, for the most part, it's it's only four days a week. Uh, sometimes I'll dip into a fifth day, you know, because I, I like to have three to four days off so they can get away from a mental standpoint and, and allow that we all talk. One of the big things that came into, you hear it a lot, especially in hockey, especially in the NHL, because of the fact that you're playing 82 games, you're on the road for 41 of them. That doesn't include playoffs, and you are sometimes you're playing three games in five nights, and you might be traveling on a couple of those. You got a back-to-back woven in, and it's called using rest as a weapon. You know, because everybody thinks, "Gosh, I just got to keep pushing. I got to keep training. I got to keep skating. I got I'm dealing with that with a, with a couple. Well, one girl, one gal in particular, she knows who she is. Um, you know, and she's on the the U.S. junior. Uh, women's side of things. So she's at that level. So she's a really good hockey player, but she's always doing something. And it's like, uh, you know what? Let's maybe tap the brakes every now and then because you, you need to let your body recover. Otherwise you're going to end up running uphill in sand. And so the big thing for me is to not only push hard for those four, five days, but then make sure you rest well in those next couple of days. That doesn't mean laying on the couch. It just means, you know, not doing anything structured. It means enjoying your life. It means checking out from training. It means getting good sleep. Not that you shouldn't be getting good sleep on those other four or five days or four or five nights, but you're doing all the right things. But it's, yeah, it's a commitment once you get to that level. You, you need to be working. Now, the high school athlete, usually it's, it's again, it's it's an hour to an hour and a half on the ice, and then it would be an hour to an hour and a half off. So it's a little bit less, but then again, they're not, they, they, their bodies even need a little bit more rest and they're doing all that they're coming to see you for shooting and stick handling and they're going to do their yoga too and all this kind of stuff and then they're doing their power skating on top of that so yeah i i, I back it off a little bit for the the high school player
0: yeah and i mean even now i mean there's on off days they're still investing time into getting better they're they're working with uh you know someone who's analyzing video they're watching video they're Listening to podcasts and stuff like that. I mean, it's a commitment. So yeah. A lot of kids want it, but you, you should figure out, you know, what all the puzzle pieces are that are required to get to that thing, and see if uh, you're still interested. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that. You're 100 percent right. That's that's exactly it. It's like, are you interested in being a pro?
1: Well, go find out. Put in the time. Yeah. And if you don't like it, hey, step away. That's. I, I respect the heck out of people who just decide. You know what? I'm done. I had a couple of players who did that just a, a year and a half ago. They just said I thought, well get, give it one more opportunity. I mean this was COVID, COVID year, it was kind of a real wacky year. Give it another chance and they said, No, you know what? I you know, I it's weird. I enjoy training with you more in the summertime than I do playing the season. And I said, Well, that's a testament that you're probably you're probably done. And so they decided to hang it up and I think they couldn't be happier and I don't from based upon what they've told me, they have zero regrets. So. Yeah.
0: It, it, one, uh, one, other thing you just said—that uh, you know it's, it's, its really about trying to have you know work-life balance. I mean, if you're an athlete, if you're an adult working, you know, you got to get away from it. And when my kids were going through the youth hockey stuff, they were really into it. All their buddies were really into it. And if my wife and I didn't shut it down, they would have kept on going. So at middle of June. There was no skating until the middle of August if they want to do stick skill stuff and stuff they could do that but we're not going to the rink and it was funny because when my oldest Rem, when he turned pro and signed with Nashville he was up with them for a couple months and I always told him the importance of taking days off (laughs) and recharge the battery. And he never got it, but he came home <laughs> after that, and he says, I know what you're talking about now, Dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's that
0: delay. There's that Dad doesn't
1: know what he's talking about. Come on. And then all of a sudden it clicks. And, yeah, it's it's so important. I, I love that. I wish we could put that rule that you have up on a big billboard or, or send it, I don't know, send it like a, like a weather alert to everybody's phone and say, hey, Lance Pitlick says don't let your kids skate from June to August. I think that would that would solve a lot of. Uh, it would probably keep keep a lot of kids out of physical therapy because yeah. it would save on their groin and things like that. And it's it's amazing. It's you don't lose that much when you've taken some time off the ice. To be honest, with you. everybody thinks, "Oh, I'm going to lose my edge and my edges," and it's like, uh, no, nah, you probably won't." It's it, you, everybody talks about it's just like riding a bike. Well, it's actually easier than riding a bike. I I had put my skates away like i told you back in like when i was a sophomore in high school and i didn't pick them up again until i took you know maybe here and there but i until i took a job with with the wild and that was a number of years that was a decade that i hadn't been on skates and i'll tell you it wasn't it wasn't my edges that took a while to come back it was my hands my hands are brutal so you said stay off the ice you can do stick handling shooting stuff bingo so that that's the biggest thing for me is just make sure you're keeping your hands going during that time. But yeah, give your legs and give your groin and hip flexor
0: a rest. More importantly, give your brain some time away from it because then when you're ready to get back on the ice, you're super excited. Yeah. You're hungry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So you've had the opportunity to work with athletes in the NFL, the NHL, major league baseball, and the national lacrosse league. Uh, Philosopher Aristotle 2,500 years ago said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Do you see that philosophy in the top athletes that you've worked with?
1: I say that again. What did Aristotle say? The last part.
0: The last part. Excellence is that, a habit. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. That That comes back to Aristotle. He actually knew what he was talking about. Because he's not I'm c I am kind of took what he said and I just made it simpler and kinda geared it towards our modern day society and, and what both you and I are involved in in the, the sport of hockey or sports in general, and that is be a gosh dang pro. To be a pro, that's not that's habit, man. That's not just, hey, I want you know, I'm just gonna do this today and then I'll switch it up tomorrow. It's like that doesn't work. You need to have consistency. One of the biggest things for I mean, you know this, Lance, you could, you probably knew exactly when you went into city where you're going to eat dinner the night before a game because it was the consistency that got you to where you were. That doesn't mean you can't continue to push, but the pushing is done in a smart, educated way. And then that stuff, the new forms of training, you know, coming to train with me instead of the guys you used to train with, you know, that's just looking for the next habit that I'm going to create and it's 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 still the same habit you're working out but now I'm just going to take that habit to another level let's say so yeah you ha- it, you know it's a mindset being a successful person is a mindset and it's about constantly i always i just i don't know where this i think a lot when i drive and and um i had miko koivu's uh, jersey retirement and i was i was one of the fortunate ones who was invited to that and then also got to go to his, his close friends and family um, reception that, that uh, was the next day. And one of the things I told him was keep looking forward. And what I what I gleaned from that is you know keep living forward. Like have a plan and keep pushing forward and 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 do the right things and in, in those consistent everyday acts, having a, a good morning routine. You know, you hear a lot about that. You know, obviously you have this great podcast and a lot of people out there who are, are just as influential have these great podcasts and, and they have this, oh, I have this morning routine. And, and a lot of people probably roll their eyes and say, you don't realize how important that is to have a routine, you know, and it's, and to create those those habits in your life. You know, one, like I said, to live forward. Don't keep going back and thinking about the good old days or the bad old days or whatever. It's like, You know, keep moving forward and keep keep those habits rolling and keep them intact, and don't sacrifice those things because that's what keeps you on point and that what that's what makes you a pro
0: in life. Oh yeah, I mean every there's a gal I don't know if you ever worked with her Presley Norby. I did my interview and I'll edit that. I did my interview. uh, She was the first girl that I ever trained. It was year a couple years before I ever got a girl in, and she was and. Um, she just always would put in the work, um, and just refining her process. And she told me that uh, during the interview that everything that she learned as a hockey player, uh, she uses in her, uh, work life now. And, you know, it's, it's interesting about refining the process and loving the process because there's... There's no successful athlete that either of us have been in front of, or any trainer or performance coach has been in front of, that spends three hours a day playing video games, uh, two hours online floating around on TikTok or Instagram. <laughs> They've eliminated all the things that take them away from where they want to go, and they focus on those things. And any leftover time in a day then they can go to Instagram or whatever that's what I'm seeing is that what you're seeing
1: yes I, and I love and I don't know if that's a phrase you can you coined off of uh, what Presley had to say or if Presley used that phrase of uh, refining the process uh, that's a great way to talk about it that's exactly what you're doing at you know when you're a pro is you're constantly refining what works and a lot of it is getting getting rid of the distractions you know it's it's getting the job and the work getting the job done and the work in and then like you said maybe it's you know towards the end of the night you, you get on or maybe you, you set like a five minute block midday of that's when you can go on and check social media and then you set a five minute block before the end of the day and you just have these they're built into your schedule that you can go on so then you're not you know getting down and sometimes people have to actually set an alarm you know so five minutes is up you got to stop but you got to commit to the stop because you know people go down rabbit holes. I think we've all been on that. You know, I've never watched a gosh dang cat video, but you hear people talking about that all the time. They start watching, watching cat videos or whatever that's all about, and then they get stuck or they go down a rabbit hole looking at past photos. Again, now we're living in the past and we're not living forward. So I think that that refining the process and the points you bring up of hey, yeah, you you gotta you gotta set some limits when you're when you're an athlete and or just to to be a successful person, and you have to say. I'll make, some, uh, I'll, I'll make these, these rules in my life to live by, but then you've got to stick to them. And that's going to help you refine that process to be a successful person.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you said on that refinement is uh, setting an alarm. That's actually called the Pomodoro technique where you, you say, all right, I'm going to set an alarm for 20 minutes, and I'm going to focus on that one thing for 20 minutes, and when the alarm goes off, then you just set another 20 minutes. But that's how you start learning how to accomplish things in a day. Uh, so we're both on the same page. I like it. Yeah. No, I love, I love that. Yeah, you, you use that pom- Pomodoro break in a, in a positive way. I was talking about,
1: you know, just only take time for the social media for just a little bit, then get off it. But you're saying I, that, that's a good point. It's like, you know, when you know that you only have a little bit of time to work, you're going to work with more urgency. Yeah, But when you set that alarm for 20 minutes or an hour or whatever that time, you can work hard for that because you know you're going to get a little bit of a reward there at the end.
0: No, I love that. Yeah, you can use it for both ways. But, you know, for how I was saying, it's just that, you know, if you're struggling figuring out how to get started or to introduce a new habit into your life, that's one strategy that people use. You know, just first day, just do 10 minutes, set the alarm and then go to 15 and just build on it.
1: Lance, that's why you are who you are. That's, heck yeah, baby. That's great advice. I love it.
0: So tell me what's the most satisfying part of what you do. Well, the most satisfying
1: part of what I do is, is seeing these young athletes be successful. I, I, that probably sounds so cliche. Of course it is. But, you know, I'm one of, when I talk about it, I, I told you earlier uh, that, that for me it's about inspiring, influencing, and impacting. And there's a lot of people out there that say that. Um, and to be quite honest, I don't know if if they're really being honest with you or with themselves. But I actually I feel that I, I really want these athletes to be the best. You know, nothing is better. Money, nothing. Money to, you know, act, you know, adulation. People, count, you know, saying how good you are. If they say that at all uh that's not that doesn't that's not nearly as good as when somebody you literally get a letter or a text years later or weeks later doesn't matter when from you know a young athlete or an old athlete saying hey you really made a difference in my life you know that there is nothing better than that and i'm sure you've received them too and uh, and you can probably say the same thing but that's what it's all about that's where i that's what does it for me. That's the it factor for me is, is making that difference that whether it's noticed immediately or much later on that it gets noticed. And, you know, you made an impact on these, these, uh, young people.
0: That's so awesome. And, uh, I know you've, you've done that because you did it with me and I know Tim 20 some years ago, and you've been doing the same dog on since then. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty cool to see. So a uh, couple more questions before I let you go, because uh, sure. I know you got a meeting coming up. Yep. Uh, you're at the top of the mountain with the Wild. Now you got your own gig going, and it sounds like it's going really well. Is there anything else you're trying to achieve in the near future that you got in the works? Or are you just kind of just not on autopilot, because I know you're a, a learner, a lifelong hey. learner, but is there something you got that you can discuss with us or
1: no. Gosh, you know what? I mean, I, I just, you know, I come back to and I tell everybody um, with Training House, the, the current thing I got going, which is the sports performance brand of uh, Twin Cities Orthopedics. Um, I, I just, I, I foresee, and with the help of everybody within this this, uh, this company and this organization, is to, I want this to, you know, right now we're doing a pretty nice job at, at really, Gaining traction and becoming the brand, the sports performance brand of the Twin Cities. But I'm looking forward to moving to outstate Minnesota and then, uh, uh, you know, elsewhere in, in the country. I want this to become a national a national program that that some people are, are you know, don't like to talk about legacy or whatever. But I I kind of like that. You know, start something that is just that that that's for the. I always. I, that's a big thing for me is to pray about keeping the right thing the right thing, and that is to take care of, to influence and in, to to in, in, inspire, influence and impact these athletes, and that's what I want to do. But I would, I just want to do it at a bigger scale. You know, that's that's because I want it to be as many as I can get my hands on, or my team can get our hands on. And that just means continue to evolve the team, grow the team, and then make sure that everybody else has the same values and objectives. And then, um, and then go ahead, get out there and influence and impact those kids, those athletes. I, I shouldn't say kids. I use the word kids because I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm at in life. And, uh, but ultimately, you know, athletes from the age of, like you said, six, eight years old all the way up to the pro players, the pro athletes. So that's what I want to do. And then, of course, I need to at some point – settle down and, and I I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, settling down and having a family, but we'll keep, uh, we'll maybe talk about that over some Gatorade sometime.
0: (laughs) If it's meant to be, it'll be exactly right. So, uh, I know you're local here in Minnesota. So for our listeners here in Minnesota, or if we got some outstaters that maybe want to come in and uh, check out what you going on, uh, I'll include it in the description below, but where can people find you? Uh, well,
1: it's, you know, traininghouse.com is, is our website for what training house is. And it's a, it's a sports performance, like I said, brand. Uh, and then I'm I, I need to get bigger. I, I suppose that's another thing I should have just said, answered in the other questions. I got to get bigger on social media. Um, I, I, but I'm, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I just don't do enough on any of those things to really make an impact, but I, I need to be better at that. Um, but yeah, I would say traininghouse.com house.com or I can just throw you my phone number and you can just have everybody call me that's I'm a phone guy I just prefer people to call me and everybody's like well be careful what you ask for no I know exactly what I'm asking for I can't I can't deliver my passion you know in a text message I'm not a big emoji guy I'm just not
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's awesome and just uh, so everyone knows it's uh training house and house House is that
1: Scandinavian spelling
0: h-a-u-s perfect and I, again I'll put it in the in the description well I, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough Kurt for taking the time to be on the show I think that this was a fantastic interview uh, a lot of great information uh, for people that are in this process uh, we talked a lot about the process refining the process uh, you had some great experiences reached the top of the mountain I don't know if being a strength and conditioning coach in the NHL is the top of the mountain. Yeah, here. I I would say
1: it is, Lance, for sure. For me it was. Yeah, that was that was the objective to, to get there and, and to be there for for quite a while. And so I was blessed
0: there. So yeah, absolutely. And you did it, and that's awesome. So congratulations and there's uh my my number one objective, people have heard it before, when I retired playing from the NHL is I never wanted to work for anyone again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur and to start businesses, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited that things are going really well for you. I hope that this expansion uh, takes off, and I just want you to continue to inspire, influence, impact as many athletes as you can, because that's what you did for me, and I'll never forget the, you know, how you made me feel feel what you taught me and it's just carried over into my life now into my mid 50s well I'll tell you what Lance that means a lot uh, coming from the first
1: you know the first pro athlete I ever worked with um, that that's that's huge that 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 left the mark in a good way so I appreciate you saying that man that that you were you were just as much uh, uh, kind of you were that that individual in my life who allowed me to kind of really get my foundation in the field, because, you know, I guess we could hearken back to one of the questions you asked. I, you know, again, I knew what I was doing. It wasn't necessary. It, it was a pretty, it was a, maybe a biological experiment, but I was pretty confident in the outcome, but you, you, uh, you allowed me to do that. And then, uh, not only that, but you also, uh, got me in touch with other individuals. Um, who continued my track record in, in the field going upwards, working with professional athletes, and that was huge. And I, I, I still remember the day uh, calling you after I found out I was coming back from a, a – I was at, down in Florida, Atlanta, with a co- head coach named Howard Schnellenberger, looking at becoming the strength coach down there, and I was coming back, and a gentleman who does uh, Channel 11 News, I think he's, he may still do the morning program, it might be done, but his name is Tim McNiff, he used to do sports – Called me on my airport, my ride home from the airport, saying, "Hey, the the wild is there any truth to the wild being interested in, you, in you, interested in you?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." In the next couple of days, I got a phone call, and I think one of my first phone calls was to you. And um, I remember you had said, "I just talked about this. I told I was I think I was talking telling maybe it was Walt Walls at Miko's Jersey Retirement this story, but you, I think you told me something to the effect of just make sure, uh, you know, Jacques Lemaire's probably not easy to work with and you know and and i think you even said like Wallsey is probably even harder you got to get Wallsey on your side and i don't even know if you remember saying this but you did and um and i i i vetted the whole situation out and obviously i was going to take the job no matter what jacques was a phenomenal coach to work for and and Wallsey's. Well, walls he's a beauty. No, no better guy, no better guy on the planet either than that guy. So, uh, I do remember that that those 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 great words of uh, wisdom and advice uh, leading into my first opportunity in the NHL, and that's uh, greatly appreciated on my end.
0: Well, congratulations again. Thanks again for taking the time. And Kurt, if there's anything that I can do to help you uh, down the road, please don't hesitate to ask. Absolutely, Lance. For sure. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Kirk Olson's hockey journey and got some questions answered regarding when to start strength and conditioning training and what exactly does that look like. Did you pull something from the conversation that you can add to your daily process? If so, that's a good thing. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you got something positive from the interview. And if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like this episode as well, please share it with just one person. It will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon. And do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.